Good morning. Good to see everybody here today. I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor. Glad you guys uh, decided to make time for God in your week today to seek him out together. Scripture talks about how we shouldn't neglect uh, gathering uh, together. So glad you're here. And if it's your first time or hundredth millionth time, glad you're around. So, hey, let's stand up. We're going to sing to the Lord and declare our love for him and thank him for all he's done in our lives. Let's really start off uh, with, with gratitude today as we worship, okay? So. Oh, things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. that we thought were dead our breathing life again you cause your sun to shine on darkest night and for all that you've done we will
Carol's going to lead us. Here we go. Thy help. 
Vale's a big enough place, God, that uh, somebody barely made it here today. And they barely chose, um, yeah, I, I, I got to get there. Would today be a day that's worthwhile? Would today be a day where we see you again, really fresh? Would today be a day, God, where um, you speak very clearly about who you are? and uh, the things that you want from us in our lives. So here we are. We come uh, thanking you for all we have and uh, saying, God, we need you. And so we come. Thank you, Lord, for this morning and time to worship you and time to give you our attention. In Jesus' name, we all say and pray. Amen. Thank the Lord. Glad you're here, friends. Hey, while you're standing, take a second and say hi to somebody around you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you all for being here today. My name is Amber Neeling. I'm the Welcome Ministries Director here at Hope Vale Church. And whether, like Billy said earlier, your 100th million, I think that's what it said, and whether that's your 100th million time or your first time, we just want to thank you so much for being here. But especially if it is your first time, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. We love that you're here. You matter to us. We would love for you to be a part of our Hope Vale family. If it is your first time here, we have a special gift for you out at, in the lobby at the Welcome Center, um, which is the desk right behind this wall. And uh, I'll be out in the lobby also in between services. I would love to meet you. I would love to talk to you and just give you a little bit more information on what Hope Vale has to offer. Um, also, so fall is like right around the corner, which pumpkin spice everything, am I right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but with that comes just tons of programming here at Hope Vale Church. And with all that programming, we need a lot of help. So um, we're going to be gearing up for getting some volunteers here this fall. If you are at all interested in volunteering, I would also love to chat with you in the lobby. Um, we have lots of different areas available, whether it's welcome, kids, worship, adults. We have tons of different areas that would fit you. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, hi, my name is Cass Ferris, and I'm on the uh, board here, uh, and I also have an opportunity to welcome you. Uh, we're glad you're here with us today, uh, and we want to now move into a time where we as a family get to give to our Lord. Uh, so we have a, uh, an offering that we're going to take. I'll ask the ushers to come forward, and this is how we here as a body extend our worship. Um, if you're here, you're visiting with us, please don't feel compelled 
but if you're here and you want to, to uh, contribute to the ministries that Amber spoke of that are going to be ramping up in the fall, uh, feel free to do that uh, at this time. So we'll come and we'll pray for the offering here. God, we just thank you that we can come into this place and we can lift up your name, the name above all names, Jesus. God, we thank you for family and friends. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come here to hear your word and have your spirit draw us closer to you. God, as we take this offering now, may it be a, a, a sacrifice and may it be an offering to you and may it be a, just a sweet incense to you. God, help us to uh, give that we may uh, serve those around us. Thank you for blessing us that we're able to do this. And God, may you be honored and glorified with everything that's collected today. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a song uh, we've uh, been singing here called uh, You Say. It's written by Lauren Daigle. Lord Daigle's a, a Christian singer, songwriter, and uh, she's been writing a lot of really good music lately. And uh, it's a song that people are just having a fit about. It's not playing on Christian radio right now, and people just love it. And it really ministers to a lot of people in particular, in particular, in really uh, just certain seasons of their life. And um, I didn't know this uh, at the time, but I asked Amber to sing this song and lead lead worship for us in this. And uh, this song really touched her in a special way in a certain part of her life. And I hope it touches you. Uh, you know, this, these lyrics say, you say I'm loved when I can't feel anything. You say I'm strong when I'm weak. And uh, man, that messes me up. Because uh, it's like, that's what God says. He doesn't care what anybody else says about you. He doesn't care about what you say about you. I mean, he does, but he just wants you to know that um, you're his. Let's be reminded about what he says. Take us in, Mark. Lead us, Amber.
we sing that from the top of our lungs, we shout it out because you're so good and because you've done so many amazing things. God, you are just so beautiful and you're so amazing and you're so um, powerful. Uh, you're omniscient, you're omnipresent. You know all things, you're everywhere. God, get right down into the deepest places inside today, I pray. We pray. Sometimes when that flashlight gets on, it's a little uncomfortable because when we stand in the light of who you are, everything's exposed. We decided to show up today. So uh, would we step out from behind a rock and be exposed today uh, in front of you and say, God, uh, what's that you want to work on with me today? as I listen and as I uh, worship and as I sing and as I pray and as I consider your scriptures and as we listen to Pastor Dan, what is it that you want to say? So um, help us to live lives that are out from behind that rock and that uh, live before you and just shout out to the top of our lungs that we love you and that you're amazing. Thank you, God, for this time of worship today. We're so blessed and thankful and so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friends. Have a seat. Good morning, everyone. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopewell. Great to worship with you today. Want to welcome those of you joining us in Bay City as well. Good to have you back at John Glenn High School this week. And, you know, it has been tremendous to see what God has been doing over these last several months in Bay City. And as the school year starts gearing up and people are done and kind of shutting up the cottages for the summer and all that, we're excited about what the fall has in store, both in Bay City and in Saginaw. So speaking of summer, you know, next weekend is Labor Day weekend, and we'll have special communion services at both campuses as well as a way of winding down our summer series. But today, uh, we get to look one more time at the one another's of the New Testament. So all throughout the summer, you've heard from these different pastors on staff here where we've been diving into the one another statements of the New Testament with the expressed goal to do church better to do church better. And I'm glad we've taken this journey together because it has been a challenging reminder for us that the true measure of a church is not the size of the congregation. It's not the size and quality of the facilities. It's not the energy of the services. It's not even the amount of ministry programs. Now, don't get me wrong. These aren't inherently bad things to have in a church. No, when it comes to worship spaces, I'm grateful to God for where we get to worship both in Saginaw and in Bay City, these wonderful places that God has miraculously provided for us in really incredible ways, great God stories, and we must never forget that, right? That the places that we come to worship are not monuments to human ingenuity, but rather they're testimonies, the reminders of God's grace and his faithfulness to us for his glory. So we're thankful for that. And same with our ministry programs, you know, whether it's kids, youth, adults, 
groups, classes, outreach. We have an incredible staff with amazing volunteers that God uses to help people to come to know Jesus as their Savior and follow Him more fully as their Lord. So don't get me wrong, these are good things that are given to us by God for us to enjoy, but when it comes to the true measure of a church's worth in God's eyes, they're not the main thing. They're not, no, as we look at, read through the 50-some one-another passages of the New Testament, as Pastor Ken reminded us last week, we discover over and over again that God places a really high value on things in the church like unity, love, relational warmth, togetherness, that he would much rather see a small, unified community of caring Christians that meet in a rundown storefront than he would a huge dysfunctional group of self-centered, professing Christians in the biggest and brightest and newest, nicest facilities in town, right? Like I said a couple weeks ago, church isn't about the place, it's about the people. It's about the people, it's about the God they worship, it's about the Savior they serve, and it's about his love for them overflowing into their love for each other. And so one more time, our foundational passage for this series, and really beyond for the life of our church, from the Gospel of John chapter 13, the parting words that Jesus spoke to his disciples the night before that he would be led to his death, the innocent Lamb of God unjustly crucified on the cross of Calvary for the sins of all humanity, including yours, including mine. So here's Jesus the night before, knowing the eventual fate that awaited him, that to everyone who would be part of his church throughout all the ages, including us, he speaks these words. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The true mark of a church. Boy, wouldn't it be great if everyone who called Hopel their church home would commit these verses to memory, that we would have these in our heart, that we would earnestly pray to God that he would make this more and more of a reality among us? and that we would vigorously go after anything that gets in the way trying to undermine our pursuit of that love. Whatever we do, we cannot let the good things about church distract us from the main thing, that God has given us through his son Jesus this new and enduring commandment to love each other, to love each other with the love that he has for this, and by this everyone will know, everyone around us, that we're his disciples, we're his followers, because of the love that we have for each other. This right here is what makes a church a church. I'm going to let that sink in with you for a moment because this is about much more than just an abstract theory to think about. Now, this is a practical reality to live out that we need to live out because we need it. All of us, we need it in a church. See, I don't know if you missed the memo, but let me tell you something about life. Life is hard. Life is hard. From difficulties and disappointments to painful losses to overwhelming anxiety to heartbreaking grief, we all experience that hardness, don't we? All of us, and none of us are exempt from it. 
Not even the best, quote-unquote, Christians among us. I think the uh, words of the Apostle Peter. He's writing to Christians back in the first century. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Right? Trials, temptations, fiery ordeals. Peter says to Christians, they're not strange, they're not unusual, they will happen to you. And what happened to these Christ followers back in the first century still happened to us today. Why? Because life is hard. And so, for instance, just as a pastor who's part of this church, I think of conversations I've had with people over this past week or so, (laughs) and some pretty heavy stuff people are dealing with. I think of a young adult who's a very dear friend took their own life. I think of another adult in our church who's closer to my age, who's caring for an elderly parent in the final stages of their life in hospice care. I think of another family in our church, Mike and Tina Dents. Mike's one of the drummers on our worship team. Their daughter-in-law was involved in a very serious accident in the Lansing area and lied unresponsive in a hospital bed. Life is hard. Then on a much lesser scale, I think of numerous parents in our congregation, right? And you're, you're facing these milestone transitions that come with this time of year, with the first day of school, and whether it's the first day of kindergarten or it's the first day of college, these are hard that as children grow up, we gradually have to let go and trust God. And it's not easy. And I could keep on going. My point is this, that as wonderful as it is to know Jesus personally as your Savior, to be a beloved child of God and part of his forever family, to experience the freedom of his forgiveness and the joy of the Holy Spirit within, while all that is true and real and can never be taken from you, the fact is life is still hard, isn't it? And because life's hard, we need all the help we can get to keep the faith and not give up. Now, of course, our God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is our ultimate source of that help, right? And yet here on this earth, here on this earth, the primary channel that God uses to pour out that help is the church, his church. It's you, it's me, it's all of us together, living out these one another's, loving each other as Jesus has loved us in our attempt to do church better. So that what? So that life and all its hardness doesn't get the best of us, but rather we're able to make the most of the one life we're given, right? So the big question that's been running through my mind all week is this, is that are we the kind of church that helps people overcome these difficulties in life? Are we that kind of church? Do we help or do we hinder? Do we make it easier for people to keep the faith or do we make it harder? Now, I know what I want the answer to be, but it's not just up to me. No, it's up to all of us. Can I help you? Can you help me? Can we help each other to hold on to God in the face of our difficulties and not give up? That's the challenge for us as a church. And the good news is that we're not the first ones to ever go through this. We're not. No, it's been that way ever since the church of Jesus Christ first began going all the way back to its start at Pentecost. And so because of that, we can lean into 
The same advice that the apostle Paul gave to Christians back in the first century. So today we're going to take a look at what he says. This morning we're going to walk through a few verses in the beginning of chapter 6 in the book of Galatians in the New Testament, one of the many letters that Paul wrote. Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 through 5. If you have a Bible with you, whether paper or electronic, you can go there with me. You can also follow along with the scriptures on the screens as well. Galatians chapter 6. We begin in verse 2. Paul writes this to us as Christians. He says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. So the one another command for us today that is going to help us do church better, that's going to help us keep the faith in the face of difficulties, is this right here, carry each other's burdens. Or as you can see, other English translations put it, bear, each one, bear one another's burdens or share each other's burdens. And however you want to say it, I think you get the point. That those of us who make up the church of Jesus Christ, more specifically here, those of us who make up this small C local church called Hopevale, we are commanded to help carry, to help bear, to help share, to help uphold the burdens that we all experience because life is hard. Carry each other's burdens. So what does it exactly mean then for us to carry each other's burdens? What does that look like? How do you do it? Well, to answer these questions, let's start off just with the word burden. Burden, what's a burden? Well, in my mind, based on what Paul's talking about here and really the rest of Scripture, here's my take. I would say that a burden is anything that makes life more difficult and threatens our faith in God. A burden is anything that makes life more difficult and threatens our faith in God. And burdens come in all shapes and sizes. They really do. They can be physical, material, emotional, relational, spiritual. Physical, like a medical test, like a positive diagnosis, like an ailment, like a life-threatening disease, like a chronic condition. A burden can be material, a pay decrease, a job loss, a tuition hike, mounting debt, unexpected car repairs, a massive increase in medical insurance premiums, right? A burden can be emotional. We just finished last spring a very deep dive into the look on anxiety and how debilitating that can be for us at times. Burdens can also be relational, a breakup, conflict in the home, tension in the workplace, disagreements at church, a falling out in a friendship. Burdens can also be spiritual. A stubborn will, unconfessed sin, apathetic faith, a hardened heart to the Lord. Or maybe the burden is that you think you've been doing everything right, but your prayers remain unanswered, that God seems distant, he seems disinterested in what you're going through. See, a burden is anything, you know, that's thrown our way, that makes life more difficult, that threatens our faith in God. And because there's something each of us will experience at one time or another, we are called in those times to uphold each other and to help each other carry the weight of those burdens when they come. And they will come. So how do we then play our part, right? How does each of us play our part in helping each other carry those burdens? Well, no two situations are alike, right? So our actions are going to look different depending on the context. But for starters, if we're serious about living this out, then we need to enter into, we need to be willing to enter into the heaviness of another person's difficulties, right? 
just to be willing to enter into their difficulties. In other words, we need to take an interest and get involved. Take an interest. Why? Because burden bearing is not a half-hearted endeavor. Burden bearing is something you can't do from a distance. No, you need to be up close and personal. And let me tell you, it's not going to be easy. When you help someone carry their burden, by definition, it means you're going to feel the weight of it, right? Because burdens can be heavy, burdens can be crushing, and if it's crushing an individual and you come alongside of them, you're going to feel the weight of that too. So it might mean that you're sitting by a hospital bed for hours just watching someone you care about suffer. Carrying a burden might mean canceling your plans, dropping everything, and heading over an awfully inconvenient time to be with a friend who's just gone through a breakup. Might mean giving away some of your own hard-earned money to someone in your community group who's going through a rough patch, to someone that you sit next to church on Sundays, to someone that you know, and just letting go of your plans of how you are going to spend that. Might mean committing to pray for someone on a regular basis, even though you don't think you're the most disciplined person in the world. Or it might mean having a hard grace and truth conversation with a Christian friend about some of their selfish choices and destructive decisions. The Apostle Paul actually talks about this kind of spiritual burden in the previous verse, Galatians 6.1, where someone is caught up and called out on their sinful behavior and how they need to be gently restored, Paul puts it, gently restored back to the Lord, back to the church by the firm words and loving actions of a fellow Christian. The point is, carrying another person's burden is costly. It means you're willing to enter into the heaviness of their situation, the difficulties, right? Taking an interest, getting involved, and you will feel the weight of that. You will. That's what's at stake if we're committed to following this command to carry each other's burdens. And so when we're faced with this challenge, the honest question all of us have to wrestle with deep inside is this. Why bother? Why bother? Now, I know that sounds selfish to say out loud, but let's be honest. There are times we feel that. Is it really worth the hassle? Or how about this? You know, why should it be me? Right? Can't someone else do it? Because burden bearing is costly. It is messy. It is draining. And more often than we care to admit, we really just don't want to do it. And while that isn't pretty to admit, I take comfort in the fact that the Apostle Paul at least acknowledges that, that selfish and protective side of our human nature. That's why going back to Galatians 6.2, he adds this at the end of the command, right? carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You'll fulfill the law. So what's the motivation to being a burden-bearing kind of Christian, for us to be a burden-bearing kind of church? Well, here it is. Paul says that by doing so, we fulfill or we will live out the law of Christ. The law of Christ. Now, this term is confusing for some Christians because they know that the heart of Christianity is the gospel of God's grace and not our ability to keep all the rules. I mean, after all, didn't Jesus die on the cross precisely because we couldn't keep the Old Testament law? Well, the short answer to that question is yes, but the long answer is this, that even though we are saved by grace and not by works, that as new creations in Christ, we are then called to walk 
in the ways of our Lord, right? And so while we're not saved by our good works, we are saved to good works. See, this word law, from the, the Hebrew word Torah, isn't so much about rules and regulations and checking boxes. No, it's about a direction in life that is pleasing to God. It's about us living out a direction in life that's pleasing to God. And when I say pleasing to God, I'm not talking about the kind of pleasing we think we need to do to gain us a relationship with God. No, it's the, the pleasing we do because we're in a relationship with God and we want to deepen that relationship. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. More specifically, Paul then gives us further insight into this command just a chapter earlier by what it means for us to fulfill the law of Christ. So Galatians 5, verse 14, look at this. He says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. The sum of God's law is love. Love is the law of Christ. And so the way that we show Jesus that we're grateful for his grace is to uphold one another, is to carry each other's burdens. Conversely, on the other hand, if keeping the, the law, following God's command, does not lead us to greater love, love for God and love for others, then we're doing it wrong. That if living out our version of Christianity makes us smug, superior, judgmental, disinterested, uninvolved in the lives of others, then we're somehow missing the mark. No, burden-bearing Christians are willing to do so. Why? Because we have tasted the grace of God in our own lives. We have experienced the incredible love of a Savior who bore the burdens of our own sins and bore those all the way to the cross. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's our motivation as Christians, one of love, one of gratitude, one of obedience. But even with that kind of positive encouragement, sometimes we also need a warning. Right? And so Paul gives that to us in the next verse, verse 3. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. They deceive, or, or as the New Living Translation more bluntly states it, if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. You're not that important. How's that for motivational speaking, right? Yeah, not quite Tony Robbins, is it? No. So you are not that important, Paul says. So get over yourself and help out. And so when you're tempted to think it's not my job to help carry the burden of another brother and sister in Christ or the kind of help that is needed in this particular situation is beneath me, Right, if that's what's running through our mind, running through our heart, then we need to check ourselves. Paul in Philippians 2 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he, Jesus, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. That's Jesus. Jesus is our Savior because he was willing to be a servant. Jesus is our savior because he was willing to be a servant. And you know, if anyone gets to play the I'm too important to do that kind of card, it's Jesus, right? The son of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and yet all throughout his earthly life, he never did, did he? He never did, and so we as his disciples should follow his example. 
and should join him in entering into the hard and humbling work of carrying each other's burdens. And so if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. We need to get over ourselves, right? Verse 4, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each should carry their own load. See, we not only need to fight off the temptation of feeling superior as a way of avoiding the command to carry each other's burdens, but we also need to resist the temptation of comparison. Comparison of complaining about other people, about wondering why they're not willing to jump in and help out instead of us. Listen, comparison is a killer in the Christian life. I feel like I could say that every week. Comparison is a killer in the Christian life. It makes us it can make us envious, like I talked about a couple weeks ago, but it also can make us angry and bitter towards other people. It's not fair. How come they're not helping out? How come it has to be me? How come I'm the one who has to do all the work? How come? How come? How come? And so Paul steps in, slaps us upside the head, and he says, don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. It's not your concern. No, your job is to do what you sense God is calling you to do and help out where you can. That is your job, nothing more, nothing less. Test your own actions, carry your own load, and then leave the rest to him. See, you are responsible. You know what you're responsible? You're responsible for your own walk with God, your own walk with God. Day in, day out, carry your own load. Now, that might sound like a contradiction to verse 2, right? I'm to carry my own load, but we're to carry each other's burdens, right? But it's not a contradiction. See, that's where we need to make a distinction that there is a load we all carry that's part of our normal responsibilities in life, right? There's some weight to that. But that's different than the intense, extreme, overwhelming burdens that arise in times of trials and difficulties. So carry your own load, your, your normal responsibilities as you go through life, but then also when the need arises, look to uphold others and help them with their burdens. Now, I suppose we could probe this further, but that's probably a completely different sermon. We need to talk about things like enabling and codependency, right? Where your attempts at helping someone is actually hurting them, right? That's a real thing. But in most cases, when someone else is going through a difficult time, that's probably not the issue at stake. No, in most cases, I think the challenge is, like I said earlier, am I willing, are you willing to enter into the heaviness of someone else's difficult situation by taking an interest in getting involved. Costly, no doubt about it, but it's also worth it. Burden-bearing is worth it. Why? Because it not only blesses them, but it also honors God. It honors God and it grows us in the process. So carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so as we think about putting this into practice, as we think about living this out as part of our faith, I want to leave us with a couple steps we can take this week. Just a couple action steps. The first one should be obvious, right? Here it is. Take action to help someone carry their burden. That as you leave here today, as you think more about this command, I want you to go through your week with open eyes, open hands, and an open heart. Which means... You're aware of the needs around you. It means you are sympathetic to what people are going through. It means then you're actually going to do something to be helpful for them rather than just some half-hearted lame attempt on your part that's just to make you feel good about yourself. No. Burden-bearing is helpful action. 
take action to help someone carry their burden. Now, like I said earlier, burdens come in all shapes and sizes, right? They're physical, emotional, relational, material, spiritual. And so my encouragement to you is don't worry about everything, but try to do something, okay? Going through life with open eyes, open hands, open heart. Don't worry about everything, but try to do something. Life is hard, and the needs of those around us can be incredibly overwhelming. So much so that if we take it all in at once, it's just too much, and we want to retreat into our own shell. Believe me, I get that. I've been there. And I think God understands that about us as well. But here's what I also believe about God. I don't think God is looking at you expecting you to solve all the problems of the world by yourself, right? He's not holding it against you if there's still work to be done. But it is his heart that we care for each other. We do so in practical ways as an expression of our faith in Jesus. In doing so, we fulfill in a better way the law of Christ and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Open eyes, open hands, open hearts. So who is that person? What is that action? So this week, you might pray for someone. You might listen to someone. You might give to them and help them out. You might serve them in some behind-the-scenes, anonymous way. You might, like I mentioned earlier, lovingly confront them, the goal to restore them. I bet that God's got someone and something in mind for you, and can you imagine Can you imagine this week if all of us left this place and we all did this just once? All of us just helped one other person with their burden. Can you imagine the love that would be unleashed through all these simple acts of caring? It would be incredible. So don't worry about everything, but try to do something. Take an action to help someone carry their burden. That's the first and obvious step with a passage like this. But the second step isn't quite so obvious, and yet for some of us is going to be even more difficult. Here it is. Let someone else help you carry your burden. Let someone else help you carry your burden. I told you this might be hard. I mean, if I had x-ray vision, I bet I could look out, right, and see some of you just squirming on the inside over the thought of someone else helping you, right? I mean, you're all about that first action step and helping people with their burden because that's just who you are. You do it all the time. As a matter of fact, you might even be known and have a reputation for being that kind of person. But then to reach out to someone else and let them help you, no way. You'll never let it happen. But my question to you is why? Why? Is it because life has never been hard for you? That's probably not it, right? No, my guess, if we're going to be really transparent, is it has to do with some kind of stubbornness and pride on our part. That to ask for help shows weakness, shows vulnerability, shows imperfection, and we just don't want to be known for that. Listen, if that's what's going on with you, then something's not right. That's not a sign of spiritual maturity. No, that's a sign of spiritual pride of being obsessed with your reputation, of finding your worth as a person and what other people think of you. And that's a dangerous place to be. It is because it means you're shutting yourself off 
from the grace of God, from the ministry that he wants to pour into your life through your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's supposed to flow both ways. That's what the church is supposed to be all about. You were never meant to go it alone, so so don't even try. Listen, I believe that for some of you here today, the biggest spiritual step you can take that's going to energize your walk with God is to ask for help. It really is. To let someone else come alongside you and help you with this heavy, crushing burden that you've been trying to carry all by yourself. That just might be the breakthrough you've been desperately looking for. So reach out. Let someone else help you carry your burden. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know, as I begin to wind down, I got to tell you, as great as it's been to walk through this passage with you, a little honesty here, I, I had some trouble this week trying to put together the end of this message, you know, stumped on coming up with the best way to drive this point home with you. You know, I, I, I did up a few options like, like this here, but it's, it's okay, and this one, um, not my favorite. And as I was working through this, I just kind of felt stuck, you know, so give me a moment. I'm just uh, hey, gonna, Dan, uh, heard your struggle a little bit there. Uh, what are you doing on stage just, right uh, now? Just, You're, it's my time. It's not your time. Oh, if wow. you can just go back. Let me just kind of finish the message here. Okay. I could, but I, I just had an idea. I thought maybe I could help you out for a close. You had an idea for my message. I mean, yeah. don't get I mean, me wrong. Okay. Are you cool with that? You know, like, I mean, I like you, but you're the music guy. I'm the teaching guy, you know. Just kind of stay in your lane, okay, and we'll kind of figure this uh, out. I've got okay. some friends that can help me, too. We were talking about it back there. We heard you were struggling just for a second, and I'm like, guys, guys, we've got a song. You can help. We can do it. Really? Come on out, guys. Okay. Come on out. Take it away. Are right, we going to do it. Let's see what you got. This isn't pre-planned. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Just call on me, brother. 
when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. And I just might have a problem that you'd understand. We all need somebody to lean on. Lean on me when you're not strong. And I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Base, base. We be jammer, we be jammer. We be jammer, we be jammer. Lean on me. Come on. When you're not strong, and I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on. It's like Sister Act. It won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Here we go. You just call me when you need a friend. That's a fun way to drive home a major point. We are to carry each other's burdens, and in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ, which is the law of love that we are. So we said all throughout this series to love one another as Jesus has loved us, because when we do, the world will know that we are his disciples. So we close in prayer. I want you to do something for me. Just take your hand, put it on the shoulder, the person next to you, okay? Do that both campuses, Bay City, join us. Let's pray together. Jesus, uh, we praise you that you took our sins. You bore them all the way to the cross. And now as your children, uh, God, and as part of your forever family as brothers and sisters in Christ, let us bear each other's burdens. Let us carry the burdens that we face in life so that we can keep on going in our faith and not let the overwhelming circumstances of life get the best of us. God, some of us in this room are going through some really hard stuff. Would you strengthen them? Would you uphold them? And then, Lord, for the rest of us, give, an, give us open eyes, open ears, open hearts to just be released into this world and to help bear the burdens of those around us. God, we love you, we praise you, and Jesus, we pray all this in your beautiful powerful name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, like I said, next week we'll have a communion service together. Billy's going to walk us through another powerful one another passage. But as you go from here, may you go in the strength, the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.